for listening to a podcast from The National. Dawn of the Robot, but nothing to be afraid of, except perhaps for the deluge of bad sci-fi we'll be exposed to as the rise of AI and automation triggers our imaginations, our excitement, our fear, and perhaps our hope for the future. Welcome to The National's Business Extra podcast. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, talking to you from the newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm very delighted to say that I have a couple of experts with me in the studio who are going to talk about AI, robots, and automation. I have uh, Atta Malik, who's a senior director at PwC Middle East. Welcome, Atta. Thank you, Mustafa. Good to have you. And your colleague uh, from PwC, Sultan Mahmoud, who's the global AI lead, and you're based in the UK. Yes, that's correct. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you guys here. So why don't we get, let's get it out of the way now. Do we need to be afraid, Sultan? That's a, a very good question. So you'll hear a lot of uh, scare stories around, you know, how AI is an existential threat and how it could end humanity and so forth. But, you know, in the real world, what we're talking about at this stage is, you know, uh, AI assisting us to automate and do roles and jobs in a more effective way. So I think we're a, a few years away from uh, getting even close to that threat. But, uh, you know, things are changing rapidly in this field. Because uh, we have uh, big names in the worlds of technology. Uh, Elon Musk springs to mind who talk about the, the, the dangers. Bill Gates has talked about it as well. And, and I understand they're, they're luminaries. They're, they're, they, they are household names. And when they speak, you know, with a little bit of anxiety about what, where technology can take us, it feels to me they're more hoping to ignite the debate rather than to say that we must stop this. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think n- now's the right time to have these kind of debates and governments and organizations and you know people need to be actively engaged in the debate because you know we are and everybody else is building AI type uh, solutions on a daily basis and they're getting better and better. So the question is how do you build these solutions in a responsible way that it benefits society and doesn't really end up uh, harming society. I mean, you've got a global view, obviously. And, and quickly, I'll bring Atta in, who is based in the Middle East. You, you're doing your work here with clients. I mean, big companies. Uh, how often are they talking to you about AI and automation and, uh, and robotics? So most of our, uh, I mean, more and more these days, we're hearing uh, companies come and ask us about what AI means, how they can uh, use that in their day to day businesses. I think everyone uh, kind of okay, being based in UAE and being in a country where you've got a already got a minister of artificial intelligence, you know, every single business, whether in financial services or outside, is quite keen on how they can also be part of that journey. And they are looking at more and more things or ways where they can deploy um, artificial intelligence and, and robotics. So I guess it's still where it's, we're in a phase where we're finding more and more uses for it. Uh, nobody has a definitive answer of what it can and cannot do. Uh, the the l- possibilities are limitless, but um, with obviously possibilities come certain risks. So we've got a, a, I think most of the companies are considering those possibilities against those risks and whether they can, the technologies are main scale enough to actually put them into their day-to-day business or just trial them on a small basis. So Atta, you, you're talking to clients here, the conversations are increasing. Sultan is actually here. Um, in the UAE because you're going to be having some kind of roadshow for for companies about 
AI. Um, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to this subject. You know, I remember all the stories uh, written by writers like Isaac Asimov, who, you know, many generations ago were raising the issue of uh, having robots in life every day. Um, and, you know, if I go back to that question of, of, of should we be afraid, I mean, Sultan, the robots are already amongst us, aren't they? Uh, absolutely. Robots are amongst us and they are increasingly coming into the workforce. Um, so uh, I would say on a daily basis, there are hundreds, if not thousands of robots robots coming online. Now, those robots are uh, working with uh, humans in a number of ways, and we call that uh, uh, three A's. And the first way that they're working with humans is by assisting us in doing our jobs better. Um, so, you know, robots can assist us do things that we probably are not very good at doing. So, you know, mundane, repetitive tasks or things that uh, require lots of accuracy and lots of kind of uh, work uh, that is you know not really suited to humans. The second way robots are actually helping us in the workforce is around augmentation. So they are giving us possibilities and capabilities that we simply did not have in the past. You know, an example of that might be that, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a, I say, uh, an employee in a, in a, in a bank and you're dealing with customers, uh, the robots are now giving you the kind of insight and information into your customers that you previously didn't have to allow you to kind of service those customers uh, in a much better way. And then finally, you know, the the way the robots are, are coming into the into, into industry is particularly around what we call autonomization. And autonomization is those activities that the robot can do on its own with no human intervention. So a perfect example of a robot that is autonomous is the self-driving car, which mm. everybody's heard of. Yeah, and, and Sultan, if I think about that and, and the self-driving car, we talk about the convenience of it. We talk about uh, the potential, not just for private transport, but for platooning with trucks, for example, and improving efficiencies and the amount of fuel we use and, and, and of getting goods from A to B in a much faster way. We can see how things are changing. And I wonder if there isn't this feeling, and, and even if people can't articulate it or can't you know, see the detail of it, they realize things are changing. And with that change comes that anxiety and that nervousness. And to an extent, I assume that companies like your, like PwC are brought in because of that nervousness. They want you to guide them. Absolutely. They want you to give you the blueprint. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things we have uh, within PwC is, uh, is a framework called responsible AI. So how do you introduce AI in a responsible manner where you address some of those anxieties, some of those issues, some of those risks uh, that may be involved with introducing uh, AI into your, into your organization? But, you know, to an extent, you know, uh, how, we, how we as human beings interact with AI is changing dramatically as well, you know. So I would say the younger, the younger generation that, you know, are just growing up now are used to interacting with AI, AI and robotics and automation because that's just another tool set for them. Whereas, you know, some of the older generations like ourselves who've kind of, you know, grown up with less of this technology probably kind of see, how does that work? What do we need to do? Yeah, how we do we need to change? Yeah, we it's harder, harder for us. Right? It's absolutely, absolutely uh, that, that's right. That's what I always think. I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're the global lead on AI, but you remember a world without AI. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So this is, this is, this is the challenge. And uh, Atta, you, you're dealing with a lot of clients in this region who very much remember a world without AI and without all this technology when they were still doing business with with paper primarily. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. So 
you mentioned anxiety. I think anxiety is is natural when the change occurs, and and the change is definitely occurring. The the robots are coming into life. So Sultan mentioned around kind of you know, a, the first A is around aiding us and help doing our job better, uh, which does mean that we. Uh, or actually kind of my generation might have to rescale given what the robots can do so it's no longer the era where we could sit in a in an office and just churn paper or churn this kind of same repetitive tasks uh, the robots are coming and they're going to take this over in fact already we're seeing with a lot for clients that repetitive tasks are being automated through robots um now it is up to us to see how we can then use those robots to our own advantage to take out those repetitive tasks and use our time for the value add activities mm-hmm. where there's more customer interaction required where there's more human judgment and human interaction required so i think that anxiety and the cha- it's kind of the uh, coming from the change is real uh, but at the same time is the opportunity is real as well on how actually we use those tools uh, as robots in a better manner and utilize ourselves as humans in in terms we are better at doing and if i use the example of being a journalist we're a journalist at the national uh, one of one of our business reporters in the past had to do a daily market wrap report which was as you speak speak about fairly mundane fairly annoying trivial there wasn't always news you just had to get the stock price movements on that particular day so he developed his own code to produce 300 words of market wrap every day of course it still needed editing but it just meant that he was able to use that time that half an hour that hour uh, to do some more value add stuff i mean for the both of you at pwc have you seen with your forget let's not talk about your clients for now just with your jobs right as consultants what have you seen ai affecting already so uh, absolutely i mean it's already helping us as consultants in terms of uh, supporting us with uh, knowledge for example you know in the past in the professional services industry you know you often had to do research and you had to get information together and now we can do that very quickly because we've trained up uh, machines and algorithms to be able to do, support us on that and so uh, the relationship between what humans do and robots is actually changing in our job as well um you know but ju- just to go uh, back to a couple of points that uh, i think uh, you mentioned earlier uh, really from a from a you know, society perspective what we're seeing is the balance of what people do versus what robots do changing robots are already coming into the workforce everybody kind of understands that and particularly in some of the more progressive organizations you know they've got thousands of robots uh, online now where they, where that's happened is well, interestingly what we found is that uh, employees actually start naming the robots and start treating them as a digital workforce as another element of the workforce and they actually kind of start appreciating them because all of a sudden they realize robot x down the down you know on the chair next to him is actually doing all the things that they just they just didn't want to do in the you know so it's it's allowing them to kind of use their skills to the best uh, uh, of their abilities rather than just do things that they and I do things that they don't like so I call it taking the the robot out of the human really right. and that's interesting but and and I totally get what you're saying and for me and for for you for Ata and for you and me and and, and our producer Kevin who were at a certain level of seniority we're more than happy for the robot to take the robot out of us but then when when we were starting out and we were looking for our work experience and we were looking for for the jobs and the entry level um those jobs were, were, were how we made ourselves useful and proved ourselves to either get the job or when we first started out so what are you doing with new employees that are coming in where that research that you might have given them is instead going to ai 
So I think it's in terms of the research, what AI is helping us do is gather or search a lot more sources, a lot of them, and then gather the key information, the actual then summarization of it, understanding of it. So the research is becoming a lot better, whereas somebody who was new would be, coming, be able to only do an X amount of, of research and then base their results on that. Now that v- research has kind of increased tenfold because with AI, you can actually get more valuable information and they learn to kind of summarize that in a better manner. Uh, also, it's about kind of changing those skills. So where you are getting that summarized information, it's now the younger generation is kind of looking at how do you can interpret that and how you can actually start using that information to drive decisions and, and start helping with that rather than just being able to collect that in the past. So if I hear you correctly, it's about the fact that we can improve the quality of our output by incorporating AI and automation. Is that right, Sultan? Yeah, it's back to the three A's that I mentioned earlier. You know, um, robots are assisting us to do our jobs better. They're giving us better augmentation and insight into things that we previously, previously might not have had. So, you know, by combining the robot and the human, we are able to deliver a better result, really, is, is the way I look at it. And if you look at, you know, uh, industries and you look at automation, that's been happening over many, many years. So you, I remember the times when, uh, you know, the car industry uh, first introduced robots for assembling cars and everybody was saying that would uh, impact uh, you know the car industry would be you know there'd be no humans employed and 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 actually what it turned out to be is that you know the car industries continue to grow and humans are doing more interesting jobs like car designers uh, graphic engineers and so forth and the ro- and the car assembly is done by mechanical robots so i think you know uh, the balance will you know, work through over the next few years uh, I want to get into this. Sorry, Atta, you wanted to say... So I just want you to give another example of an, a process that which we've been talking to some of the, the clients um, in the morning. It's about searching for candidates, for example. So b- before somebody in recruitment would come in in the morning, search for CVs online, find a lot of CVs, then look through each one of those CVs to shortlist a few of them and then make the calls in the end of the day. Uh, to get that done. So the time taken to search, let's say three or four CVs for the entire day. Now we've got robots looking for those CVs online, gathering all the CVs in in folders, arranging them. You're using AI to actually then sift through those CVs to select the ones and shortlisting them. So the by by the time the person, the recruitment person, also comes into the office, they already have a shortlisted set of mm-hmm. CVs which they can then start ringing and kind of it's much more effective in the way ways it work. And then the point um, uh, earlier is in terms of where jobs are. D- diminishing or in terms of the the role that the robots have started playing, new roles are started opening up as well. So nowadays, a lot of grads that we hire or graduates that come into our company now are, are actually looking at how do we start programming AI and how do we start building the robots rather than being afraid of that research job being taken away. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, an example of, of that is, you know, when uh, people uh, or you know graduates join PwC, we actually train them on AI and understanding what AI can do because, you know, our, our philosophy is, well, you know, if you want to advise clients on how to have better businesses, then you, you need to understand what AI possibilities you can offer to those clients as well. So it's becoming part of the, the, the curriculum for all our uh, new entrants. 
So we've got consulting is, is obviously looking at things differently thanks to this technology. We can see that admin across the board in other industries, uh, in all industries, is, is possibly being affected. Uh, uh, journalism, I mean, I'm not just talking about our experience, but the New York Times put out, for example, a, a, report, a sports report recently compiled by a robot and nobody noticed that it was made by a robot rather than a journalist. Um, and so you, you have a lot of industries. Uh, from your point of view, we talked about transport. What other industries are being impacted right now by the emergence of this tech this or the advancement of this technology, if you like? So obviously, uh, financial services is very, very significantly impacted and uh, uh, naturally so because financial services involves a lot of data and a lot of information and so forth. Um, Transport is interest, uh, impacted. Health is an interesting one. Health is uh, impacted quite a bit from uh, AI, particularly in sort of, you know, cancer diagnosis or disease diagnosis. You know, uh, there's some really interesting work going on with uh, uh, AI companies, for example, where they can uh, scan a, a picture of uh, your, your skin rash and then diagnose whether that could be uh, malignant or, or, or so forth or not. So that, and there's a lot of research going on how to tackle various cancers and so forth. So AI in that space is also having a, a huge impact in terms of improving our health uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a society, really. But I assume you still want a doctor to give you the final diagnosis, right? I mean, like, you, the robot may churn the data and come up with it, but you're not going to take a diagnosis of... Of, of that severity from a from a machine, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's things that ro machines can't do, and you know, I can't see them doing that over the next uh, short term. And those are activities where you require empathy, where you want to be able to have human to human interaction, where you know you have to take a broader picture of uh, what's happening and so on. So, absolutely, there will be things that you know humans are always better suited to do that machines simply can't because you know we're a we're a product of our both our experiences our genes you know our brain our environment and so on and that's what makes us uh, kind of distinctive from uh, machines um Atta, you, is, you would you agree with that in terms of the, the machines have uh, i guess where data is king the machine is king but where we they need more emotion and uh, a softer skill set that there's still some way to go before people will be taken out of the equation yeah no totally agree so i think machines and robots are designed to work where there's a lot of data there's a lot of rules and the emotion and the empathy element is not required humans are made for social interaction and think that's where they're good at and nobody can replace that in my opinion and I think from from my point of view, if I if I go back to the the original premise of sort of you know the dawn of the robot, I mean we we've probably been uh, it's been a long dawn probably the sun's been rising for a long long time right Sultan I mean th this has been in the works for decades I mean you talk about the car industry when that first started employing robots but this isn't something that's going to happen literally tomorrow right as much as there might be the urgency we're still we're going to we're going to have quite a long lead time into into when really these jobs are, are phased out and and there will be a, a generation will have time to adjust absolutely I mean you know we've had uh uh, AI hype going on for many many years, and you know, uh, you know, people talking about well, AI will be able to do everything. But what we're seeing is AI is a gradual improvement. You know, uh, there are things coming out which are uh, on a yearly basis improving and moving the milestone a bit. But you know, there will be no sort of thing which says all of a sudden there's magic light turned on and, and AI can uh, do everything. I don't see that happening um, in the sh in the short or medium term myself.
So, you know, as, as, as we understand it, we have to prepare. We have to be ready. There is a change coming. The anxiety is related to that feeling of, of, of uh, trans, transgeance, if you like. Um, but also um, we, we understand that we need to be better. We need to be more advanced. So businesses need to be more efficient. The managers need to be on top of these things. It's not enough now to simply be worried about the bottom line. You have to look at technology and, and you, you can't escape it anymore, right, Atom? Yeah, I mean, so in fact, looking at technology is part of looking at your bottom line. I mean, a lot of the clients I work with and Sultan works with both here and in, um, in our global uh, regions, they are looking at um, the technology as a kind of a, uh, improving their kind of bottom line or uh, reducing cost as well. It's about where they had a lot of uh, people doing those tasks, mm -hmm. manual tasks about putting robots into automating those and then utilizing uh, the people who are doing those tasks either to look after the robots or deploying them into kind of the branches where they've got that more human element and where they have a shortage of um, uh, resources elsewhere. So rather than hiring new and new people, they're then retraining the existing skills that they have. I mean, there's been a lot on that in news, both uh, from from Europe and also kind of with experience of working with clients in the mi Middle East, uh, a lot of that kind of job shift has already started happening. So it's uh, we're in that era of where the repetitive tasks are going. So we start need to reskilling ourselves. It's key. Well, yeah, the reskilling. I mean, it takes a, a lot of skill to transition people from one role to another. It takes a lot of, and we're talking about loads and loads of people who perhaps aren't the best educated to begin with, who maybe don't have the best experience to begin with. We're not talking about taking the top elite level and reskilling them. We're talking about taking the broader base and, and also making them believe that they can do it. So management within these industries and within these companies has to, has to really be on their game. Absolutely. They have to, I think it then also comes to the kind of consciousness of each firm and the, the towards its employees and the, the, the kind of role the management takes um, in reskilling those. Uh, we've seen uh, companies where who have proactively asked their uh, employees to come up with ideas where uh, the robots can replace them and if they do then they would specifically put a lot more effort into retraining those um, employees and putting giving them other opportunities uh, we have in kind of seen companies which have started investing in training programs around the upcoming and new technologies for some of those staff already before even considering that the roles that they're going to create and i think this is a challenge that does require companies educational establishments, governments to kind of work together to kind of address how this is uh, solved in the future. And we're seeing some of that already. Yeah, we're seeing, for example, uh, companies like ourselves uh, working with universities and research institutions to equip people for the uh, world where, you know, AI is part and parcel of, of the environment that we operate and live in. And we're seeing governments uh, do more and more in this space, including regulators uh, and governments are, you know, kind of getting up to speed on how uh, AI is uh, deployed effectively and safely in society. And, you know, educational um, establishments are also, you know, taking a number of actions around this. Um, but, you know, I, I, the way I kind of um, the po uh, quote a positive story around this is you know I saw a, a, a 
uh, two-year-old uh, the other day uh, working on their uh, tablet, um, using the tablet very effectively, scrolling and everything. But you know, they th and you look at that and you think, well, some of the older people struggle with that technology, but you know, they are growing up in that kind of environment, so it's not it's not uh, perhaps as new to them as it as it is to yes. uh, you know the older people. I mean, they they're more than digital natives. That generation is immersed in, in exactly in, in, fully immersed in, in technology. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think back. I think of uh, from my experience growing up in the UK, for example, uh, the miners' strike in the eighties, uh, the impact of globalization, the way certain industries were were, were effectively wiped out, and because of the rise of you know the economies like in China and India and elsewhere, their ability to manufacture much cheaply impacted the entire industrial base of Western economies. Um, the, that was a case of you know geographies. Uh, rising versus elsewhere, but now this is everybody going to be affected. Absolutely, and I think this is uh, you know, which is why you know PwC recently did a report which says you know uh, AI will have a huge GDP impact for those organizations or those countries that make effective use of AI because what it'll do is it'll actually give you. Um, more capacity as a as a nation to be able to do the kind of things that you want to do, and therefore your GDP and leap, growth will be leap quite frog, significant. Right? Exactly. So, so, the, so the leapfrog, there won't be a sense of uh, as we had China or India rising and, and taking over from the US, but literally any country can leapfrog more advanced economies if they harness this technology better. Absolutely, and you you're already seeing examples of that. So you know. Um, uh, some of the examples of uh, countries where, for example, Wi-Fi isn't very good, you're getting technologies like social uh, communication and so on, and they are actually leapfrogging the capability that exists in other countries because they just missed that technology bit and got to straight to the to the end game. And you know, it presents opportunities for for the Middle East as well in terms of being able to you know be a significant uh, player in the AI space. More business extra in just a moment, but first allow me to tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And Extra Time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or find us as always at thenational.ae. Now, we're talking about AI and robotics with Sultan Mahmoud and Atta Malik from PwC. Uh, we're talking a little bit, we're getting into a little bit of the, the potential possibilities of what uh, these te the technology can offer us. Uh, we kind of got through the, the whole anxiety uh, phase of it. Um, so, uh, guys, you, I think you've been looking specifically about how AI and automation and robotics could be impacting the financial services sector. You touched upon a little bit earlier, Sultan, saying that th this is a, a sector because of the the amount of data involved is particularly ripe for yeah. AI. Yeah, abs absolutely. So, um, yeah, um, the the data allows the, the financial service sector to actually understand your their clients a lot better. So, if they use that effectively, you know, you can understand what your clients' needs are, what they want in the future, what sort of behavior they have, and therefore, what it means is you're able to service the clients in a much more customized way going forward. So that is an example of how you know data and AI and, and other sort of technologies are helping uh, in financial services. Financial services also has traditionally been quite um, quite variable in terms of the service provided to clients. So for example, you know, sometimes, you know, customer onboarding or mortgage processing might take a number of days where you go where somebody goes through various checks and so on. And 
AI and robotics is being applied in those areas to speed up that whole process. So, you know, there are examples of now you can onboard customers pretty much in, in real time. You can go through the mortgage processing and get an answer, uh, you know, pretty much again close to real time. So it's helping uh, financial services in a number of ways. It's helping them uh, deliver the service better to the clients. It's helping them to become more efficient and it's helping them to be more tailored and specific to the client's needs. Do they make better decisions? Because if I think about mortgage applications in the build-up to the last crisis, you know, would, would, would AI make it harder to make those some of those mortgage decisions that, that perhaps shouldn't have been made at the time? Or does it make it even easier to, say, abuse the system? Well, I think um, from, a, from an AI perspective, it's, it's about... Um, uh, getting AI to do things that it's good at. So if it's making decisions on uh, on a numerical basis, then it will come up with a score very effectively, right? And the logic is there and it's explainable. But if you have to then include other factors that may not be kind of quantifiable, then you still need some human uh, intervention in that. So I would say certain decisions they'll be, you know, AI is much better at, uh, but, you know, there are certain decisions which we talked about earlier in terms of that require broader understanding, empathy, human interaction, and so on that still need the human uh, touch in that. So, uh, you know, there are examples of uh, FS or, or financial services organizations that have implemented, um, you know, um, say a chatbot or a virtual assistant mm-hmm. that uh, services a client, but this client always has, has the option of going back to the human and, and continuing that dialogue. So, you know, how to introduce that in a safe way is, is, is quite uh, critical for FS organizations. But uh, generally, I think, you know, if you, if you can analyze more data and come up with more quantifiable uh, reasons, then it will help you make better decisions. I mean, we've seen it uh, in the investment world where uh, fund managers are under increasing pressure because of the use of AI, whether it be algorithm or otherwise, um, in terms of trading on the stock markets. And we've had various impacts, flash crashes, you name it, surges. Uh, the, the most recent um, tumble of, of stock markets in the US was was blamed partly on automation. Um, are these concerns or, or, or opportunities as far as your customers, or your clients uh, are saying, Atta? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, as Sultan was mentioning that this uh, kind of the decision making from robots gets uh, it's better in certain conditions so uh, what I've seen is definitely more consistent with the robot so the errors of kind of making wrong choices or bad decisions is is less with, with robotics but what it does do is it opens up other types of risks for the organizations uh, which could be around the kind of cyber security which could be hacking mm. Uh, so when the firms are, are looking at deploying uh, r- robots or AI, it's now start got to thinking about the the kind of safety impact of it as well. So the the clients very much see the benefits, and it's e- easy to reap those benefits with 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 robots. But what they are very much conscious of is how do we deploy these in a secure environment where we do not open up other types of risks. That's a good. That's a, you raise a good point there. Where does this live? in terms of responsibility? Is it compliance? Is it IT? Who owns this space within a financial services institution? So I think Sultan can shed some more light on this, but what I've seen is the 
chief information security officers in the bank are getting more and more uh, learned on these topics. And we're, we are also increasingly being asked to do kind of um, uh, deep dives or risk assessments around around these methodologies or techniques on, on how they're deployed and how the architecture around that is set up to ensure that there's no gaps. This is a boardroom topic, really. What we're talking about here is a boardroom So the highest topic, level. The highest level at the CEO and the boardroom, main board, really. And, you know, we've run many sessions where we've, you know, educated boards of organizations on what this means and how to potentially, you know, uh, put in the right controls and mitigating circumstances uh, for effectively introducing uh, AI both safely. But, you know, it's it's a great opportunity. It's also a, a, a different type of risk and control profile that you uh, have when you introduce these kind of technologies. And the board has to be fully involved in that decision making. We talked about the uh, the UAE um, in the past has has always been very technology forward. Um, as you mentioned, uh, they have a, a minister of AI now. Um, so, the, the, and, and Sultan, you're coming from the UK, so you see other markets. But they, within the framework of you've got a government that's very much interested in what AI and robotics and automation could do for them. Um, that's is that's at the highest level too, is it? That these discussions are happening. Well, yeah, I mean, my understanding is that you know, uh, in 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 UAE, the AI is recognised as a very important uh, topic going forward, and obviously you've uh, there's a government uh, AI minister and so forth. There's a lot of um, government organisations that are involved in this topic, and you know, generally uh, there's 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 actually quite a good opportunity for. Uh, UAE to adopt a lot of these technologies. So, you know, uh, this is my first visit into UAE, and I've been pretty impressed by how technology savvy UAE is and, you know, how technology uh, is being utilized already in many, many areas. Um, So I think it's an opportunity the the seriousness from the government and the uh, the will and uh, and the appetite for it seems to be there. I think there's a uh, you know a number of fintechs being set up and fintech hubs being set up. Um, so so it's it's a real opportunity that I think you know uh, UAE is well placed for. And it, they, the board the board are convinced. Let's say you get their buy-in. Uh, the government is creating an environment for this. And then the, does the investment required? Does it have to be taken from other areas? Or, or do you have to increase your overall commitment, whether it's operational expenditure or capital expenditure? So, um, so it depends on what investment we're talking about. So, uh, generally, in, in a business, right, if you're investing in AI, um, you will have identified areas that it's actually going to make a difference, whether it's improving customer service or whether it's helping you become more efficient. So, uh, you can you can con- you can earmark investment for that. And it would be, I would say, in your top five strategic items that you would want to invest in. Um, but then, you know, there is investment that's required at an educational level. There's invest- investment that's required in universities. Um, so the investment appetite will vary by different countries. But I think where where countries are actually uh, seriously investing in this, they will get more than enough returns from this. Uh, Atta, the, the, the attitude of late for a lot of companies has been very much focused on cost control. So do you have to come in from the, the point of view of this is this will help you be more efficient when you're talking to your clients about the importance of AI? Is that the language they need to hear right now? Or is there, are we in some way in a kind of, this will help your business grow, this will help you find more opportunities? 
So now it's not not just a cosplay anymore. Uh, when but I it mean, but it was at one point. It, it was, was. It? when robotics started. It was a pure cost. I mean, it was seen as a cost uh, play where you could replace uh, kind of human jobs with ro- kind of robots doing those jobs in a simple way. Now we're looking at uh, a much better. Uh, kind of efficiency gains in terms of getting that process done quickly. Uh, now we're looking at better control on it. So kind of decrease of fraud, decrease mm. of um, kind of other elements related to kind of humans misusing um, their access. Uh, now we're also looking at a better customer experience. So things can be done on a 24-7, uh, whereas humans could do a job by eight hours. Robots could do that across the across 24 hours. Uh, it's, it's also looking at uh, the kind of... The, the seamlessness. So there was a previously seen as an opportunity where you had to do kind of straight through process and, or automation between different systems. Uh, a, a huge cost or in, um, kind of investment into the t- technology landscape. Now with the robots and becoming increasingly cheaper, it's also being seen as uh, a cheaper way of getting processes seamless and, and straight through uh, without requiring human judgment. And, and where are we seeing the most innovation in this area? Is it coming from China? Is it coming from the US? I mean, wh- who's, who's really leading globally in terms of manufacturing these, these machines that need learning to have deep learning capabilities or if it's providing the software? I mean, the internet age in the 90s, it was very much US dominated. And, yeah. you know, so from your point of view, what are you seeing? Uh, so, so I think there's uh, three areas that are kind of uh, leading on innovation in this space. Uh, one is obviously uh, the U.S. and you have the big uh, tech giants in the U.S. that are investing uh, a lot in this space. You know, the Microsofts, the uh, Facebooks, the Googles and Amazon. Uh, I think uh, U.K. has emerged quite uh, quite a strong player in this space as well, uh, basically uh, uh, as a result of, you know, the the heavy research institutions, the the universities and so on, and it's emerged as a bit of a, um, a star in this place. And, you know, uh, for example, you know, DeepMind came from uh, yes. a UK uh, company. And, and China is actually investing significant you know, billions into this space and is very strong as well. So, you know, I would say Americas, UK, uh, China uh, are probably the stronger players uh, in this space. And the Middle East needs that kind of institution doesn't it it needs an MIT it needs a Stanford it needs it needs a Cambridge it needs something uh, where, wherever it happens uh, it feels very much like um, we're always having to be importing a lot of our talent and our innovation expertise as much as there are great people here already without that kind of heavyweight brain power in the region um, and it may take a while for that to happen in the meantime are we are we able to kind of build up our capabilities yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the Middle East uh, that well myself, uh, so I th- I'll, I'll ask uh, Atta to comment on that. But m- but my view is that, uh, you know, already there is significant things being done in the Middle East to build those capabilities. And uh, governments are, you know, uh, well engaged with that. Uh, and initially that involves maybe bringing in some capabilities from outside uh, whilst the internal capabilities are, are being built. Um, and so... Uh, you know, clearly over time that will take time, but uh, there there are some you know um, there are some strong factors that will support the Middle East on that. Like you said earlier, you know this also represents an opportunity for people to leapfrog. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know if that's handled in the correct way, then I think uh, it would be uh, you know it could be potentially very uh, lucrative. 
and successful. Yeah, so just adding to that, I mean, we've been on a on a roadshow around robotics and AI, and out of the clients and the 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 different organizations that we've met during that, at least three or four organizations have now confirmed that they're setting up their own uh, fintech hubs or regtech hubs in the region here, which is basically bringing identifying the right startups in in um, the Middle East itself and giving them promotion, giving them getting them in front of banks and other financial organizations. So I think that's the right move. Uh, the more we kind of aid these startups uh, and start bringing the talent in the region, so where they have bright ideas that will inspire others to kind of start doing the same. So that environment uh, or providing that environment and support to get that going would definitely get that going uh, in the right direction. And I'm pretty sure that the leapfrog would happen for the UAE and for the Middle East itself. Uh, you know, amongst our listeners, we'll have parents of, of, of uh, teenagers or, or college-age kids, and we may even have those that are about to be entering the job market. Um, what kind of skill set do they need to have to, you know, to attract some of the best employees in the financial services space if they are more focused now on incorporating AI and technology and robotics? Is it enough to have an MBA? Is it enough to have a sort of sense of economics? I mean, what is it that they need? You know, what's the raw talent that has to come through now? So I think um, in the in the old days, it might have been enough to have just an MBA or uh, so, something in economics. But now I would say I would add one other thing to that, and that is technology literacy. So I think it's a critical point of any role that you go into or you kind of want to be successful in understanding the technology literacy around that role. And that doesn't mean you have to be a technical specialist who understands how to program the you know, best algorithms. It means you understand the possibilities that AI could offer that you as a business or a, you know, as a manager can, can make use of. So we've been talking about the dawn of the robot, artificial intelligence, automation, with Atta Malik, who's Senior Director of PwC Middle East, based in the UAE, and Sultan Mahmoud, who's PwC's Global AI Lead, based in the UK. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in and uh, helping probably to uh, put minds at rest and perhaps even ignite some imagination um, amongst the readers about what robots can do for you, because they are coming, isn't that right? Absolutely, they are coming, and they'll be working in harmony with people. Thank you, Sultan. Thank you, Atta. Thank you very much. Thank you.